up episode 160 of Monster Kid Radio with another song from Los Cowabungas. It's the song Low Beach from their album Queremos Surf, the demo. You can find them over at loscowabungas.bandcamp.com or follow the link in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net. That's our website. This is the podcast Monster Kid Radio, where we celebrate the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. I'd like to welcome you back to the show for our continued conversation with Monster Kid, master sculptor, and good friend of mine, Tom Diegler, about the movie The Monolith Monsters from 1957. I'm finally going to get my cup of coffee. You know what I'm talking about? Go back and listen to the last episode where Tom and I broke down a big chunk of the film. Spoilers aplenty, and we're going to continue to spoil in this episode of Monster Kid Radio as well. Now, that's not all you're getting in this episode, however. We're also going to have a little bit of feedback. I got an email I'm going to go through. You know what? Why don't we just go ahead and kick that off right now? This comes from listener Keith Gamble. Derek, just a note to let you know that I just ordered a couple of copies of this book due to your mentioning it on the gift guide. The Gift Guide episode happened last week here on Monster Kid Radio. Go check out the archives at monsterkidradio.net or in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. And the book he's referring to is Wayne Kinsey's book, Hammer's Film Legacy, From Quatermass to the Devil's Daughter. Now, this is a limited edition book. It's available for 35 pounds plus shipping and handling. It's over at peverellpublishing.co.uk. Check out the show notes in the Monster Kid Radio Gift Guide episode for that. Anyway, back to the email. I appreciate your heads up. I'm surprised that I was unaware of it previously. Thanks again. Keith, you're welcome. All right, he continues. And don't run low on energy. Room for at least five or six more different podcasts. (laughs) All credit and plaudits to your lovely understanding wife. Memorize that Weaver Creature book yet, and there could be a pop quiz any second. I don't know if I've memorized it cover to cover yet, but I'm, I'm getting there. It's a great book. We'll talk a little bit more about that on a future episode of Creature Cast Among Us, the spinoff show, the one spinoff show that I'm doing. <laughs> Although there are plans for another spinoff show coming out down the line, and it would be produced by a Monster Kid Radio regular. I would appear on that show from time to time, but it's not my bag. I, I You know what? I've probably said too much. Back to Keith's email. P.S. Waiting on the rebuild on the Patreon. What the hell does that word mean anyway? Before signing in with some money. Somebody has to pay for all those vegetarian meals in the middle of meat country at Monster Bash, don't they? After all, there's only so much celery a geek can fit into his luggage. Keith also included something in the email that I'm not quite ready to discuss on the podcast yet, although I did mention it on a message board somewhere else over at the Classic Horror Film Board. Keith, thank you for emailing in. And, you know, I remember them having some salads at Monster Bash. Uh, so I was okay there. <laughs> uh, and I think they had some uh, potatoes, some potato au gratin at the bar. You know what? What I'm eating at Monster Bash is the least of my concerns and the least of my worries if I'm able to get out there again. And, oh, man, I really want to get out there again. Monster Bash was amazing. I still think about it. <sighs> Good times. Patreon. I don't know what the word Patreon means, although I'm sure it's related to the word patron, which is what a number of you guys and gals are already. I appreciate everybody's support. The rebuild of our Patreon reward levels, I'm aiming at end of January at this point, to be realistic. So that's what I'm looking at. I'm going to redo the reward levels and take a few things out and kind of simplify things a little bit. It's a little 
wordy and just complicated right now. So stay tuned for that. I'm sure I'll mention it here on the podcast. Now, Keith emailed us at our email address. It's monsterkidradio at gmail.com. This contact information is on our website, where you can also find our voicemail line, which is 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR. Now, also on our website, you can find links to our Facebook group, our Live 365 internet radio station, our Amazon store, where you can find links to a lot of the things that turned up in the gift guide last week, as well as a link to every song that's appeared here on the show, including, well, the music from Los Calabungas. You're going to hear that song that we opened the show with, by the way, at the end of the show in its entirety. Of course, we can't get to that until we get to our continued conversation with Tom about the monolith monsters, so why don't we go ahead and dive into that right after this. How many ways can you distort the human mind? One way is to remove the brain itself and control it. It's a fiendish spectacle of shocking surgery as new life is given to a man already dead, a creature created in an operation of horror. control his most fiendish impulses to destroy? See, brain of blood for the shocking answer. His body returned to its grave, but the brain was gone, living on in a madman's skull. In the doctor's chamber of horrors, living victims supplied the serum for his experiments. So fantastic and unbelievable that you'll have to watch every moment of brain of blood to see for yourself. With the mind of a madman seeks vengeance. His body died. His brain was saved for the most unholy experiments. The brain of a dead man lives in a creature of horror. Orson Welles speaking. I just saw the impossible happen before my astounded eyes. I saw a man grow smaller and smaller day by day. 
I saw the loneliest and most frightened creature on earth living a nightmare in a world of giants. The Incredible Shrinking Man. The Incredible Shrinking Man. Hello, this is Raider Director Christopher R. Mim, the master of the Mimiverse. You're listening to Monster Kid Radio with Derek M. Cook, the greatest person I've ever met, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Derek, now comes the coffee scene. I love the coffee scene. <laughs> I love it. You see, even though the science is a little loosey-goosey, even though the one female character in this probably isn't as developed as the others, there's some real skillful filmmaking on display here in this movie. I credit the director. I credit the writing. I can credit anybody. I'll credit you, Tom. But oh. I love <laughs> I love the coffee scene because they're in the office. It's a professor and Dave. Drinking coffee, looking at the rock. There's a sink on the desk. The coffee's well, obviously wet. We know that if it gets wet, the rock is going to react. <laughs> and it's so suspenseful for me. I kept waiting for somebody to spill some coffee because, mm. you know, when I drink coffee, I spill it. I don't know. I just expected somebody to spill coffee and get it on the rock. And it's so close. There's like a couple of shots where they're bringing the coffee cup across the the plane where the rock is and i'm just you're gonna splash something and it doesn't happen and i'm on the edge of my seat just like come on it's gonna happen no don't no it finally does happen and i love the payoff i think it looks really cool when they finally put the the rock in the sink for some reason or other and they do get it wet and then it does start to grow and the payoff is just great because it looks amazing to me i thought it was very well done this whole sequence one of my favorite bits of the whole movie it's so suspenseful I was so clenched just watching it. It's like, no, no, no. So I love this scene. Very effective. The model that's growing in the sink was really well done. That was yeah. amazing. There's a part of me that looks at these movies. I can't not try to figure out how they did it. I can't turn that part on my brain off. I just can't. I know sometimes it ruins movies for people if they listen to me talk about this, but I can't stop thinking about that. And I feel like I don't know 100% how they did this without really examining it. I thought it was very well done. Great scene. Great movie overall. And I love it growing out of the sink. And then they finally see it, and then they start to figure it out. And oh no, it's going to rain. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it's going to rain. Ironically, it shows some scenes of the worst, (laughs) probably the worst rainstorm (laughs) they've had in this town in 50 years. (laughs) And it's right after Grant, oh, the water, oh, my God, it's raining. So they run off because it's raining. They need to go run off to where the, probably the site of the meteor, I would assume. Right. Pouring down rain, Dave and Flanders. This is one of my favorites where they, it's rainy and dark, and Flanders tells Dave to stop, stop the car. And then, now turn off the engine. And you can hear, with the besides the rain, you can hear this rumbling, rumbling in the background. Yeah. And this is one of the uh, really effective, I think, scenes. Oh, yeah. Thanks to... Oh, the special photography guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that guy. Anyway. Yeah, that guy. (laughs) (laughs) I got papers all over my desk. I can't find anything. Clifford Stein and then uh, Frank Brendel also did some special effects on it. But, yeah, it just... Wow. It sounds good. And I love that they play with the sound. They're not just relying on a visual shock. Mm-hmm. They play with the sound because, like you said, it's like, turn off the car. 
okay, listen, it's not just, it's mm-hmm. and as an audience member, you're kind of leaning forward as well. So you can maybe try to hear just a little bit better mm-hmm. to hear what Flanders is hearing. It's great. I mean, th- these two scenes are my favorite scenes in the whole movie because it's, it's skillful, creepy, suspenseful filmmaking. And I feel like sometimes when we watch these 50 science fiction movies, we forget that there's some real skill behind a lot of what they're doing. Oh, and yeah. these two scenes really demonstrate that. And you really get an impression of size and destructive power from these things from the scene when they, you know, raised a couple hundred feet tall yeah, and then topple over. You know, they do it in slow motion, but it's it really conveys a, the, a lot of power in that. So they did a great job. Oh, very good job. But what are they going to do about it? They, they can't stop the rain. And the way the city is positioned... You know, if these rocks, these monoliths continue to fall and go in the direction that they're going to go, the town's hosed. They got to do something. So what are they going to do? (laughs) Ah. I get it. (laughs) Hosed water. Oh, sorry. Thanks for picking up the pun there, the the, the, (laughs) the joke there. Um, (laughs) I dropped that in front of you on purpose. Well, I guess they just got to clear out of town, right? Evacuate. Well, that's not realistic. Well, first, I think they better check the weather. (laughs) <laughs> this is a scene we have a scene with my good friend oh yeah who i met once william Schallert, who is a uh a sci-fi stalwart uh-huh dave calls the weather bureau to see how long the uh rain will last and they call william Schallert. we had a great suspenseful scene with the coffee we had a creepy <laughs> spooky scene with the rain and the driving of the car outside and then here's William Schallert with some comic relief to kind of alleviate everything. This guy's awesome. He's done so much. Oh, yeah. He's still with us, fortunately. He's still working. He's been in the industry for like seven decades. He's been doing work wow. for forever. I mean, he's his career goes back to the 40s. I mean, I remember seeing him in matinee. Uh, you know, he's done a ton of film, a ton of television, uh, you know, inner space he was in. I remember seeing that. He's one of these guys that you see his face and you immediately recognize him. And mm-hmm. you met him at a con, you said. I think it was at the very first. It didn't last very long. Mona and I, wow. I don't even want to think how long ago. Probably 15 years ago, we went to a famous Monsters of Filmland convention. Uh-huh. That was an amazing convention. That's before a lot of these conventions went to the new horror and stuff kind of format. This had a lot of the guys from the 50s and 60s. Um, I met William Schallert, your hero, John Agar, met him. Oh, man. Met something signed by John and met some of the, they even had the some of the munchkins from Oz, Wizards of Oz. Oh, wow. I mean, there was just all kinds of. Well, we'll talk about that some other time, but it was fun. But they kind of got they gotten away from that, except for the one that you like to go to, which oh, is Monster more, Bash, yeah, Monster Bash, which still has you know a foot in its roots, kind of where you can still right get some of the good old stuff. I wonder if Shallert does conventions anymore. I wonder. I look pretty often just to see what conventions or I haven't seen his name lately. Right, but but I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, like so. I said, he's still with us, and uh, before we started recording, we found out he's got a website, william-shallert.com, and he's talking about working still, and you can contact him and order photos and all that, and I'm going to have to go through this and kind of see if there's anything that I must have. He was in GOG. <laughs> 
I love Gog. Gog. Oh, man. I love Gog. <laughs> well, in this, he plays this weatherman who's just kind of not very aware. There's a reason why he works in the office and stares at the sky all day. I don't think he's got very many social graces and can't read social clues. You know, Dave and Flanders really need the information about the weather, and he's just going on and on and on. But it's a fun scene. It slightens up the mood a little bit. I just wonder, you know, the 50s sensibilities are so different. I almost, you know, is it possible that the two scenes ahead of that were so tension-filled, they felt like they needed to put a little comedy there? Maybe. I don't know. I, don't I, I, don't know. know. I mean, it's it's possible. I, I thought it worked. I mean, it did need to lighten up a little bit. Because mm-hmm. it is getting really dark. I mean, I don't have a problem with dark, but it is a 50 science fiction movie. A big chunk of the audience are you know, younger people, so they've got to lighten it up a little bit. So, But yeah, we find out that it's not going to stop raining anytime soon, or if it is going to stop raining, it'll start raining again. So the weatherman's not very much help. No. He does say they have two days, though. Yes. They say they have two days to figure out what's going on. Well, and then they come up. this is when they come up with their plan after they find out that, well, first of all, Jenny revives. We find yep. out that Jenny's going to be okay. And they try to extrapolate from what they did to Jenny some sort of method or maybe even weapon to, to fight these monoliths. Mm-hmm. And they can't figure it out. There's still a missing element somewhere. Yeah, they've tried every combination. They injected Jenny with something. They've tried, was there four or five things in the shot? And they said they've tried every combination, every single. They just can't seem to get it. Well, they do figure it out. Now, do we want to say what it is? Do we want to spoil it? Well, I mean, I've already mentioned the salt mines. And yeah, the that's dam. true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and this movie is uh, it's up there somewhere. I'll make sure there's a spoiler warning at the beginning of the episode. But yeah, they do finally figure it out, which is good because, well, evacuating a small town would be a problem, I think, a uh, short notice like that. So they do figure it out and realize it's not necessarily the substance that they put into Ginny, per se. It's the saline they use to mix the substance to begin with, and that's what they need. They need the salt water. Mm-hmm. And, hey, there's a salt mine outside of town and a dam. <laughs> Let's blow it up. <laughs> but that's a multi-million dollar facility, Derek. You don't understand. You get the governor on the phone and you tell him <laughs> that I, Dave Miller, federal geologist, have decided this is the best way to save little tiny town. <laughs> Blow up the dam. Okay, first I got to say something, Derek. Yeah. Which we, we skipped over. Well, we didn't skip over it, but there's something I'm going to bring up at the end. You know, they w- when they figure out salt water destroys it, doesn't destroy it, stops it. Right. It, it but they'll, renders they'll, it inert, yes. Makes it inert. So they put water on it, it grows. They put salt water on it, it stops. Put water on it, grows. Salt water on it, it stops. Right? Right. Okay, that's all. I just wanted to make that point right now, because that'll come up later, about the ultimate effectiveness of this fix. This plan? <laughs> of this plan they have. <laughs> well, now there's the question of, will the governor sign off on this? And are we going to get away with doing it anyway? And Dan, or Dan, Dave finally says, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and move forward on it. The governor, we can't get a hold of him. Well, I'm making an executive geologist decision. <laughs> That's a blow up the dam. And they use a lot of dynamite. They show, <laughs> ooh, they're stacking boxes after box of dynamite. And like, what do you think you're going to do? I mean, <laughs> that's what you got to do, I guess. Do you really need that much? It's like they took a cue from uh, was a tarantula where they try to blow that thing oh. up. <laughs> you know, it's like they're loading this thing up. 
But, I mean, they got to do it. And this is where we get some great miniature shots and model shots. I loved how it looked. And you can see the monoliths kind of wiggle a little bit here and there, but I don't care. It just looks awesome. But, yeah, they do blow up the, the dam. They do make sure the water goes through the salt mine area and the salt flat. And this day is saved. But they still don't know if the governor said it was okay. <laughs> so Dave is on the edge of his seat because he could probably go to federal prison for that, along with Mary and Ginny. No, that's a different deal. <laughs> so <laughs> let's leave the movie on a light note. The governor finally gets back to him. Ginny says, he told you not to blow up the dam. Pause. 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 Unless it's absolutely necessary. (laughs) Music swells. Oh, shucks. And they all share a laugh. Fade out the end. (laughs) I liked it. I liked this movie a lot. This movie was awesome. I'm so glad I finally got around to really watching it. I'll let you know some other movies that you think you've seen that you haven't. (laughs) Actually, I've just been watching just on the Grant Williams since he was a star of this, I've been watching, well, this isn't in the monster kid, the, your thing, the brain of blood. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was one, it was one of his last roles. Actually, I just watched that for the first time. Wow. Because it was on DVD for like six bucks. <laughs> um, it was one of the last of the, of blood movies. There's like a handful mm-hmm. of those of blood mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. And I got it not necessarily for the movie. Cause the movie's a little rough. But I got it because it's got commentary tracks on it. Mm-hmm. And for like six bucks to get a movie like that with a commentary track, it's got the guy who played Dracula in Frankenstein versus Dracula. Mm-hmm. It's like the only other movie that that guy did. Oh, really? Yeah. It's got a lot of the same, well, well, yeah. <laughs> same people in it, obviously. In fact, I think I have the DVD right here in front of me. Yeah. Angelo Rosito's in that. Oh, it's from 71. Ah. That's all right. Whatever. Xandar Vorkov. The guy who played Dracula. Uh, it's not his real name, but which always made me wonder if you're going to pick a stage name, why, why would you pick up something? Like this? It seems seems like you're kind of pigeonholing yourself with that yeah, one. There. Exactly. Typecasting yourself. Well, clearly he didn't go on to have a long career. No. Anyway, uh, Sam Sherman does a commentary track on the DVD. Oh, nice. Yeah. So old Grant Williams from the incredible shrinking man to brain of blood. He died early. He died young of some stomach wall. Peritonitis, wasn't it? Peritonitis, that's correct. Same thing that Houdini and Valentino died of. Oh, really? Huh? Huh. Bring that up a party. (laughs) Impress your friends with your trivia. Considering that the only parties that I go to are typically at your place, Tom, (laughs) I think that's probably really good advice. (laughs) We're hard to impress. People on this side of town. Uh, he was in The Leech Woman as well. I kind of like that one. Oh, I loved it as a lawyer. Yep. yep. As a smarmy lawyer. That was a good one. We should do that sometime. Okay. So. I think I've seen that one. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so anyway, back to the monolith monsters. I loved it. I thought it, it was, was great. So fun. It's a great, fun science fiction movie. Like you said at the beginning of all this, it's got Jack Arnold all over it. And I love Jack Arnold. This movie was just great. You know, I was going to mention, too, just on the same subject, how amazing would it have been to be like a teenager back in the 50s? Because I looked on, you know, I was just curious because the 50s, there's so many stuff, so many things that came out, mm-hmm. sci-fi that, you know, you and I love. Sure. In 1957, there was 30 
science fiction, monster kid friendly movies that came out that year. Really? This is a little example of them. Amazing Colossal Man, Deadly Manus, Incredible Shrinking Man, Monster Challenge the World, Kronos, Invasion of the Saucer Men, Brain from Planet Eros. Oh, wow. 20 Million Miles to Earth. So you could watch more often than every two weeks. Not that it, it times out that way with the movies, but. Abominable Snowman, man. You yeah. got to get our Peter Cushing in here. Come <laughs> there on. There you go. You could see a new movie like that, which would be just so awesome. Oh, wow. You know, I'm, I'm looking at a list of what Wikipedia calls the notable films of 1957. Wow. 20 Million Miles to Earth. The Black Scorpion. I mean, wow. I mean, it's just amazing. Now it's hard to, you know, these days you wait years for a good quote unquote monster movie to come out, you know? Yeah, you're right. Stupid or, and back then it was just like bang, 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 bang. And just cranking them out. And it wasn't just yep. universal. I mean, you know, 20 million miles to earth. That wasn't universal. I mean, that's Harry house and stuff. You got the Mysterians from Japan. I mean, yeah. wow. Just amazing. Well, that would be a, that would be a banner year to go back to, you know? Mm-hmm. So somebody needs to build that time machine for me, damn it. <laughs> uh, this fantasy that I have is that how awesome would it be to go back and watch some of these movies during their first run theatrically? Yeah, Mona and I talk about that. God, to be in the that. audience and, and oh, man, that would be amazing. <sighs> okay, enough of that. To dream. <laughs> the impossible dream. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Almost. So the model with monsters is available on DVD. It's easy to get your hands on. It is part of, I believe a box set, uh, called the classic sci-fi ultimate collection. It's also available by itself as part of the universal vault series. The vault uh, series has been cranking out a handful of movies lately that I enjoy and recommend. It's like 14 bucks by itself, or if it's part of the box that you can get it for like $29 right now. And it's got the mole people, tarantula, the incredible shrinking man, monster on the campus, cult of the Cobra, you know, the leech woman. So there's lots of Grant Williams on that box set. So yeah, I mean, it's a easy to get your hands on highly, highly recommend it. And it looks like there was even a Spanish DVD released of it, which comes with the movie and then a couple of episodes of the TV show Tales of Tomorrow as a special oh, feature. So nice. something, you know, if you're interested in that sort of thing, I, I am. Uh, <laughs> so this was a good one. Yeah. Well, really? It was good to talk about it. Yeah, no, I'm glad you recommended it, man. Good to get my feet wet again. Yeah, I know. It's been way too long. I know. I just uh, people that have heard my other ones know this is kind of weird for me. I'm not a big fan of recording things or. Are you afraid that as we record your voice, we're like capturing a piece of your soul? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Are you going to turn to stone? No. Oh, <laughs> it's like Bud Westmore. There you go. There you go. I love that you had a chance to meet the weatherman. That's just. <laughs> that was cool. I wish I could remember more. I don't have a good memory for that kind of stuff, as you know, but I wish I could remember more of that stuff of people we met because there were so many. This was awful cool because this convention was set up in such a way where it was just they really were user-friendly because we 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 had the, the package where you got to have dinner with some of these people. Oh, you guys have told me about this? Oh, my God. We sat at a table with two of the uh, munchkins from The Wizard of Oz. <sighs> We sat with a guy that wrote Monster Mash, um, Bobby Boris Pickett, and there was just all these celebrities just at these circular tables sitting with just people that you could interact with these people. It was awesome. That's amazing. You and I have gone to like 
you know, the show in Seattle a couple of times. And, you know, I've been to some shows in the Midwest and that sort of thing. And it, it's mostly the modern stuff. You know, they focus on the modern horror. I don't get that vibe. I don't get that. And, I, and I'm not talking, bad, talking down about these conventions because they do an amazing job for what they are. But when I go to something like Monster Bash or hear the stories about, you know, this famous Monsters convention, I mean, I'm just in awe of how friendly and approachable these people are. You know, I think I mentioned it on the show when I was hanging out at Monster Bash having breakfast. I'm just sitting there minding my own business. And two of the, the guests there look over at me and start engaging me across the table. Oh, nice. I mean, it made my day. I'm like, oh, my God. I don't want to take up your time. I'm eating breakfast, but you're so cool. You know, so. You know, it just sounds amazing to sit there and have dinner with Bobby Boris Pickett. Wow. Yep. That's amazing, sir. Yeah, we had a good time a long time ago, but a lot of those people are not around anymore, unfortunately. That's another reason why I like going to the classic ones or why I want to keep going to the classic ones. Mm-hmm. I really want to get to Monster Badge again next year because really, you know, they're not going to be with us forever. And mm-hmm. just to, to have that experience and, and to let them know, and I'm sure they hear it all the time, but just let them know how important what they did is to people like us these days and how much enjoyment that we still get out of what they do. I just read the introduction again uh, that Julie Adams wrote for that big creature from the Black Lagoon book that came out earlier this year. Mm, yes. And she mentions in that, that when they were making the movie, it was just another movie. You know, they might have had fun, but it was just, you know, a couple of weeks out of their life. It's not until afterwards and years later and now within the era of DVD and streaming and Blu-rays that people are going back and watching these things and, you know, they still have legs. They still have this impact. And to be able to see and meet some of these people at these conventions. I got to go back to the bash, man. I think you would have a good time at the bash. We'll see if we can work it out. We should start hitchhiking now. I think it might take out. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. So what's coming up for you, man? What, we're recording this before the holidays. Yeah. What does Tom the Monster Kid do for the holidays? As little as possible. What do you there want you me go. to say? I don't know. See family. I'm done with my shopping, basically. Thanks to Amazon. Amazon. I bought all my stuff. Decided to pad the pocket of Mr. Amazon with a little more sales. So, Well, that's a very nice Christmas gift you gave him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have any uh, like classic movies that you watch around the time of year that just... Oh, I don't know. Mona likes Bad Santa, but that's... that's... <laughs> Different <laughs> <She> podcast. Always, <laughs> she always wants to watch Bad Santa. So, so, there you go. You should start the Bad Santa podcast. <laughs> there. <laughs> not really. I mean, I'm not into the classic. You know, there's not a lot of classic Christmassy movies. Mm-hmm. Can you think of a sci-fi, i.e. horror 50s movie that's... Santa Claus Conquers the Martian, huh? <laughs> Except for that one. Or, or the, uh, the 1959 Santa Claus with Kay Gordon Murray. Now, we're recording this before Scott and I are recording about that movie, but he cannot wait to get me on the show to talk about that, uh, where he fights the devil. Ooh. So, <laughs> Santa works in outer space and does battle with a demon sent to Earth by Lucifer to ruin Christmas by killing Santa and making all the children of the Earth do evil. Ooh. That's what Wikipedia says. That sounds like an amazing film. <laughs> that does sound pretty good. I may have to see that one. <laughs> oh, that'll be fun. Well, I'll let you know how it is. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> or stay tuned. I, I, uh, you'll hear it in the future on Monster Kid Radio, probably next week or so. Nice. <laughs> Just reading the plot synopsis on this sounds amazing. <laughs> Pitch attempts to convince five children to make Santa Claus angry. Okay, I got to stop. I, I can't read anymore. <laughs> yeah, you better wait. Don't better ruin wait. it for yourself. Yeah, Scott will, Scott will be upset. But I've got it on Blu-ray, so I can't. I'll pop it. Oh, nice high definition. That's a movie that demands high definition. <laughs> I think so. 
Oh, well, Tom, thank you for spending the time with me this morning to record and, and spending some time on Skype uh, to talk about the monolith monsters. Again, thank you for bringing this to my attention. This is awesome. Uh, do we want to talk about the sculpture that you did? And just Do we want to put a picture of that up online anywhere? Is that something? Oh, yeah. I did a quickie sculpt of a scene from the monolith monsters. I did <laughs> I sometimes do this where I'll do a sculpture before I really watch the movie. So it's a little different than the actual monoliths. I use some artistic license for this. But yeah, I can, you can put it on. Basically, I just what, what got me going was I found at the uh, Goodwill, I found a little, I don't know what scale it is, Derek's seen it, a teeny little house for 99 cents, a little plaster house that's painted. Yeah, it looks like it's for, I don't know, like... I wouldn't even say like model railroad, but it's for some sort of. It's for model, a Christ- yeah. it's for a Christmas scene because I had to. Oh, was it off, really? I had to break up break off the snowman. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that kind of got me going. I thought, well, this is a good scale to make something small with, you know, kind of a little scene from the movie. Uh huh. So I just did that real quick. Well, I've seen it in person. I thought it looked pretty cool. And if you can send me a nice picture of it, I'll use it as the episode image for this. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. That'll be awesome. Sounds good. The listeners can check that out. We'll have to have you back on the show before what another how long has it been? Um, long time. Yeah, I'll yeah. try to I'll try to crawl out of my hole a little more often. <laughs> Look at the sunlight. There you go. There you go. I would yeah. like to wish all the monster kids happy holidays or whatever. Or whatever. Well, you know, non-denominational thing. Well, I'm sure I will talk to you again before the actual day, but from Monster Kid Radio Tom Happy holidays to you, sir. Thank you. You too. Have a good one, Derek. Tom and I have already started talking a little bit off mic about having him back on the show to talk about another movie, and I can't wait to do it. I had a real good time recording with Tom. It has been way too long. I loved having him on the show, and I loved this movie so much. The Monolith Monsters... I know that we spoiled it, but if you haven't seen it, even though we spoiled it, I highly recommend it. I think it's underrated. I think it needs more attention, and I think you're going to dig it. Next week on the show, Scott Morris is coming back. We're going to be talking about the 1959 K. Gordon Murray classic, Santa Claus. Yeah. So next week for Christmas, we're going to watch a movie in which Santa Claus fights a devil with the assistance of Merlin and somebody who looks like he's an extra in a Hercules film. You know what? I've already recorded that episode. It was so joyful. (laughs) And I'm glad I watched the movie and wow, it's going to be a good time. So come back to monsterkidradio.net for that. If you're not familiar with the movie and you want to get a little taste of it, well, you can rent it. You can watch it online. I think Or you can go over to Rich Chamberlain's website, Monster Movie Kid, here in a couple of days. He's going to be talking about the movie himself as part of his Countdown to Christmas series. In the meantime, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song... Low Beach, that belongs to Los Calabungas. It's from their album Queremos Surf, the demo. You can find them over at loscalabungas.bandcamp.com. It appears on this episode with their permission. Go show them some love and tell them that Monster Kid Radio sent you. Talk to everybody next week. (laughs) 